Today, we're talking about what it means to get out of that uncomfortable place. Welcome to Omega Printer. I'm your host, Jacqueline. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd be ever so humble if you rate it and leave a comment on iTunes. This helps the podcast get out to more women. If you're new to the podcast, please subscribe. I put out new episodes every Wednesday. In this episode, we speak with Yaneli of Miss Be Helpful. She's an entrepreneur and a YouTuber. We talk about sitting in silence, what it means to move up the social ladder when you grew up in welfare, and being the first to graduate college in her family. We also talk about assessing your social circle and much, much more. Yes, absolutely. Oh my gosh. It reminds me exactly of uh, when I left New York City for the first time to go to college. Um, and it was, it, it was hard because growing up, I was always around people that were just like me, you know, Hispanic families, Dominican, Puerto Rican, mostly immigrant families, low income. And, um, and my friends were that same sort of demographic. And so I was, you know, constantly connecting with them through our shared struggle and experience. Um, and I come from a very big family. Like I have eight brothers and sisters. And so it was always sort of a lot of people around me, a lot of buzz, a lot of noise, a lot of conversations. And you never really felt um, alone or like you had to sit with quiet. And as soon as I left New York City um, and got to, I went to Brown University, I was, I, I got to Providence. I, I sat in my dorm room and I was just like completely silent. Like it was so quiet. Nobody was there. And it was really weird because once I did start kind of adjusting to my, my new like home, I was taking classes and like realizing, yo, I'm the only one that is not either rich or white or, you know, coming from a wealthy family or, or somebody whose family all went to college or whose parents went to Brown or went to another Ivy or went to another college. You know, my parents literally never went to college. So never even went to, to elementary school, middle school. So I'm coming from a family of like, you know, extreme poverty back, back in the Dominican Republic coming here. It was just like such a transition of like, Oh wow, this is a culture shock of like, who are the people that I'm going to be surrounded by for the next four years of my life? And how do I have to be in order to succeed in this environment? Because I wasn't like that. Like my vocabulary was very, um, underdeveloped, you know, compared to the people that were around me in classes. So yeah, I mean, I think essentially that whole um, transition of sort of being in an uncomfortable place where you can't really name really what is it that's going on and you don't, you're not really sure what's going on. It's to me, it's basically change that's happening and you're, you sort of, whether you like it or not, it's going to happen. And I think sometimes the transition, when you want it and you welcome it into your life and you're choosing to do it, for example, like when you're changing your health, your diet, or when you're starting to exercise and changing your body, or when you choose to move to another place. And, you know, it's completely a choice of something that you're completely welcoming into your life. It doesn't feel so uncomfortable because you, you're walking into it with open arms. But for when something happens to you in your life where you didn't, you, you had no choice. It's going to happen whether you like it or not. That to me is kind of when these moments happen of, of this very kind of like you're being stretched and you, you didn't necessarily choose it. You just kind of, it's happening to you and you're not really quite sure what's going on. Um, and it's hard to be in control during those moments because you, you feel like it's out of your control. So for me, that was definitely transitioning to college. And, and that was a huge change in my life. Like the way that I talk changed, the way that I behave changed, the way that I 
think and the way that I act, I just sort of really matured very quickly. And I sort of just stopped, stopped behaving the way that I was behaving when I was back home. And I didn't have a lot of um, worries. I didn't have a lot of independence. It was just sort of, you know, mommy and daddy took care of me. My family's always there to, to, you know, to, for me to fall back on. And once it sort of just was me alone, I had to really figure out who am I? What do I, what do I like to do? What do I believe in? And through my, through to my core, really, what do I represent as a human in this world? And that's hard to, to make those decisions at a young age or at any age, really. Mm-hmm. So I think it reminds me a lot of, you know, when your daughter went away to college and you had to sit with yourself and start to think to your core, really, who are you? And what are you, what are you when you're not being a mother or when you're not, when somebody doesn't depend on you and you are independent, mm-hmm. what does that mean for you? Who do you, who do you want to be? And that's the moment to decide it and then actually start doing it and living and breathing that person that you claim you want to be. And it's hard. It's hard because that, that takes discipline and consistency and, and all those things are really hard for people to do. Uh, but yeah, I definitely relate to that. Talk to me about the silence. So the silence was really uncomfortable for me. Now, I'm, you know, I'm, t- I'm 28 this year. I feel uh, much more comfortable sitting in silence with myself. But when I was growing up, there was never any silence. Like uh, if you crack the windows, an ambulance, the train, like it's always noise people yelling, oh, vecina. Like it was just always a vibrant, abundant environment in New York City. Um, and so that was just the, the norm. And even in my household, like every mommy was cooking, pots and pans clanking in the kitchen, the kids running around, kids in the yard. Like there was never really true quiet. Um, and so when I had to sit in my dorm room, it was very weird. Like I was, I was just sitting there. I'm like, oh my God, I don't hear anything, like nothing, you know? And it was so weird. I think I actually, it made me cry because it was so uncomfortable, so different that I actually started, like I cried and I I didn't know what to do. I was like, this is so strange. Like, um, you know, what do I do? Who do I talk to? Like, what do I, what do I, like I had literally didn't know what to do with myself. And then at night when it was time to sleep, I actually, there was a CVS across the street from my dorm and I went to CVS and I paid like 25 bucks for a fan and I plugged it in just to hear like the little clicking noise of the fan mm-hmm. so that I could fall asleep because I just needed some background noise. Like, and that was, that was to me, it's like such a crazy time because I, I, I maybe I was just so out of touch with myself or like, so, um, you know, I was just at a, such a, an uncomfortable place where I really didn't know who I was. And I was forcing myself to have to, I was forced to have to figure it out um, and sit in quiet and think, you know, and just hear my own thoughts. And that was, that's not always comfortable for people, really. I think a lot of people avoid doing that by keeping themselves busy and occupied and productive all the time, you know, and that way you don't have to face your, your own thoughts in yourself in that way. Um, but I, I think once I did, I was actually able to hear loud and clear, like what I'm supposed to be doing, what am I supposed to be filling up my time with and who are the types of people that I want to be talking to and hanging out with. Um, So it's important to do that. So it sounds like, I guess there comes a point in transition where you're very vulnerable because you no longer grasp onto who you were, where you were sure of yourself, where you were sure about your environment, you were even sure of what was going to happen tomorrow, next week, you know, with, with, you know, the monotony of the, of the week, of the time. How was that for you? And how did you move past that to get to that point where you knew, okay, this is, this is what I want. This is who I am now. This is how I'm going to move forward in the world. How did you deal with being in that space first with silence and then with being feeling very vulnerable? Because those two things, 
people can sit in silence, right? Or we do have silent moments, but I don't think we acknowledge that it's a very vulnerable moment when you don't know who you are because yeah. the silence signals we're vulnerable. So how did you deal with that? And then how did you move past that? Yeah, I think actually back then at that time, I was only probably about 18 or 19 years old uh, when I got to college. And at that time, I don't think I had the mental strength yet to recognize that I needed to welcome that that silence and that quiet and sit with myself more. My my conclusion was, oh man, I'm sad because I'm alone. And I and back home I was never alone. So what do I need to do? I need to make sure I'm not alone now. So I went to social events, I went to ice cream socials on campus, I went to different cultural clubs and you know, the salsa group or the, the Latin dance troupe. Like I just tried to get involved and connected on campus so that I could make new friends and make a new community around me. And in that in some ways that is is totally fine because that that's how I worked through it and it works for me I found my new tribe and I was like oh these people get me I like them and they're smart and they're supportive and and they were gonna help me make it but at the same time now it's kind of like I, I if I was doing that again right now I probably would handle it differently I would probably figure out exactly who I am first before trying to go and like connect myself with other people because it's so important to know who, who exactly are you looking for to, to surround yourself with. Like probably one of the top three most important decisions that you make in your life are, is, is going to be who, who are your friends? Like who are the people that are going to be talking to you every day, texting you every day? What are the things that they're going to say to you? What kind of words do they use? Are they positive? Are they supportive? Are they you know, encouraging you? Or are they pessimistic? Are they the type of people who are going to doubt you when you have ideas or talk you down to you or make you feel like, oh, it's never going to happen, girl. Come on, be real. You know, what kind of people are they? Because I didn't think about that at all. And now I'm like, ay, ay, ay. okay, I know now that my time it's so precious. I got to make sure I fill it with people that are going to add value to my life. But back then I was just like, oh, these people are cool. You know, they like to do the things that I like to do. Um, they like to be social. They like to dance. They like to do all these things. And that's what I like to do. So we're, you know, we're going to click. And, um, and that's how I worked through it because I, I joined like the step team at Brown. I joined the dance troupe. I joined like all these different clubs and groups. And I just filled up my time with, with people and experiences. And that made me happy, but it was not necessarily getting me closer to figuring out who I am and what kind of person I want to be and what are the things that I want to do and what do I want to represent, what I want to be all about. Um, so because, it, because it, it helped me get through a tough time, I thought it was the right thing for me at that time. But now in hindsight, I realized like, oh, that was just like a filler. That was just like a, a way to Like not a sense sad. of feeling home, you know? Exactly, exactly. A way to bring back the comfort that you were missing during that time. So I, I kind of see it more clearly now, but I mean, not that any of the people that I hang out with, hung out with were bad or anything like that. It's just that I think now I'm so, I'm so much more picky about who I spend time with and who I allow to be in my life. Whereas back then I was just like, anybody want to hang out with me? Okay. <laughs> you know, just start filling, filling up the time. And now you realize how precious time can be. So you start getting more selective, right? Absolutely. Exactly. Talk to me about that mental shift until we're going to fast forward into what you're doing now, right? As far as, as your business and also as far as you teaching. Tell, yeah. tell me what mental shift um, you may have had to work through to where, where you are today as far as you now have clients, right? You have a YouTube mm -hmm. channel. Um, mm -hmm. How did that process work for you or was your mentality always like to have your own business? 
Yeah, I know, I'll start by saying definitely not. My my mentality was never about uh, running a business, having a business, having a brand. I never, um, I never thought like that. Like entrepreneurship is something that was so not um, common in my family. Like my family were very traditional. You get a job, you work your nine to five, you put in your hours for decades, you retire, you're happy. And that's life. That's just the American way. And we're just lucky that we were able to come here and have access to this American dream, right? Like that's how my, that was how my parents preached to us uh, that we should think. And so entrepreneurship was definitely not, um, something that, um, I felt like was, you know, acceptable or even a possibility for, for somebody like me. Um, and then also just in a lot of Latin cultures, not every Latino culture, but a lot of them are, um, there's a little bit of machismo in the culture, especially the more antiquated kind of belief systems that sometimes get passed down to generation to generation. And I think like my family, a lot of times we held those beliefs, like women are supposed to be taking care of their families and at home and having kids and cleaning and cooking. And the men are the ones that are supposed to go work and bring home the bread. And so it was kind of like, I felt when I was younger, I thought like that, but I think the mental shift really happened for me um, towards the end of my college experience. And when I graduated, I, I joined Teach for America, so I became a teacher. And literally once, one week to the next, it was like a six-week summer uh, training program where you, you know, you're doing summer school with kids and you're kind of becoming a teacher slowly. But then once that training is over, you're in the classroom full-time with a class of 30 students, and you are the one person in that room responsible for all these kids. Something happens, you know, it's on you. You are the full-time teacher in that room. And I was 24 years, 23, 24 years old. So I think that shift of um, going from being carefree and just sort of living, trying to figure out what I wanted to do, to being 100% responsible for 30 little lives was, it was just so much responsibility and so fast that I had to very quickly uh, become a mature and critical thinking adult. Like I really had to, I couldn't, I couldn't fail. And, and so that I think mentally made me stronger and also um, made me think quickly like I had to start thinking more quickly on my feet how am I going to handle this how am I going to problem solve I had to really start sort of changing the way I was using my brain before um I wasn't really thinking that way I wasn't under so much pressure in such a fast time um constraint so that was a big piece of it and then more recently now that I started my Miss Be Helpful it's I've always wanted to help, right? Like I Teach for America, I was drawn to Teach for America because I'm coming back to the communities that need me and, and sharing, giving back, teaching, helping them, you know, be inspired by my story. And, and so I've always wanted to help other people. And so when I started my brand, the Miss Be Helpful channel on YouTube, I was like, I want to just tell people all the mistakes that I made with money and everything that I've learned that you're supposed to do to, to handle your money the right way so that less people end up making the mistakes that you know the common person might make on their financial journey if no one tells them so i started that way just trying to help people put it out there and then it slowly grew people started saying wow like you explained this so well you make it so easy to understand you know i i watched all these other videos and i didn't get it and then i watched yours and i was like oh duh like i get it now and so then i was like oh maybe i do have an ability to use my teaching skills and my energetic like personality to teach things in a way that people just get it it doesn't have to be so complicated. And so that kind of inspired me to keep going and to keep posting more videos and to get more creative around how I was sharing my you know, ideas and things that I learned. And then, and then I decided, you know what? People kind of need one-on-one attention sometimes too. Like you can, you can read all the general tips, but sometimes if it does, you needed somebody to look at your situation 
situation. Look at your money. Look at how you're spending and give you direct feedback um, and coaching for, for you. And so then I decided to start doing some one-on-one coaching with folks. And that has really helped me a lot because growing, I mean, I'll say this one last thing because I could go on about this, but <laughs> when, I, when I was growing up, um, you know, obviously it, it was hard. We didn't have a lot of money and my parents were on welfare. I always knew, you know, like money's tight, you know. And, um, but once I kind of graduated from Brown, I got a job. I quickly became no longer low income. I, qu- I quickly became middle income. And so it was very interesting how I, my family is still low income and my parents still struggled, but I wasn't necessarily experiencing that day-to-day living paycheck to paycheck as much because I had a full-time salary and I didn't have any kids and I didn't have, uh, you know, a mortgage or, you know, that many responsibilities besides just my basic bills. And I was very lucky to graduate with no student loan debt. So once I kind of paid off my credit card debt, I was like, okay, I have like money. Like, this is weird. I have extra money. Like, and I've never had that before. And so I had to force myself to go back to talking to people who really are living paycheck to paycheck and struggling so I could stay connected with that experience. Cause I'm afraid that I might lose touch with that um, part of who I was and still who I am, but like luckily have been able to move um, up in, in social, you know, um, socioeconomic status. And so I think the one-on-one coaching has really helped me to think, how can I really help the people who are still struggling so that I don't lose touch with that, um, with that demographic? Cause I want to make sure I connect with them and still feel like I understand and I'm giving realistic advice. Do you, do you feel this a struggle for you? Do you think that's part of you not wanting to let go of your community? And does that create a block for you? Because I know I've, I've spoken to women, right? As, as people of color and then growing up um, low income and then struggling, I have a friend who makes over six figures and yeah. she struggles a lot with her family not mm-hmm. being at the level that she is. And then right. her being so driven to want more and more and then, you know, buying a home and then becoming a director and yet her family and, and then she holds a lot of guilt, you know, and, yes. and she knows it's not her responsibility to lift everyone. You know, she does, she, she helps a lot of people, but then it's such a struggle, right? Because she doesn't want to lose her community, but at the same time, she also wants to grow. Do right. you, do you struggle with that? Is that, is that part why you, you don't want to lose that? And what, what if you did, what if you, you became part of a new community? What does that now mean for you? Yeah, I think it's, it's really, that is something that scares me so much. The fact that it's possible that I could completely forget, not necessarily forget, but like completely lose touch with um, the experience of being low income. Um, because it's just, it's just how I am, how I came to become the person that I am today is because of that struggle that I lived for, you know, two decades of my life. So for me to sit here and act like, oh, you know, I didn't have it rough. Like it wasn't, you know, I'm, I've always had this much money. Like that's not true. Mm-hmm. And I definitely am not rich by any measure, but I think for sure, um, you know, have a lot, have it a little easier than I did before. And so, yeah, I definitely struggle with that because you come back to your family and you've graduated college, you got a job, you're showing signs of like being successful and working hard and, um, and getting results. And so then your family expects a certain level of, of help too. like Mm -hmm. straight up. A lot of times my family will ask me for money. Like I have, you know, cousins, brothers, sisters, like people that'll be like, Oh, you know, let me hold this much money. Like you, you know, (laughs) you made it like help me out. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's hard because, you don't want to necessarily not help, but at the same time, 
when you like for me i always tell people the way that i handle it is to sit down with my friends or sit down with my family and say look this is how much money i make this is how much i pay in rent this is how much i spend on food this is how much and like literally walk them through my budget and like okay these are my goals so when i take 150 dollars out and give it to you it's either going to come from my future goals it's going to either come from my compras my groceries or it's going to come from the rent money like you have to understand like my money's going to specific buckets and categories and if you really, really, really need help, we can talk about like creating a category for you where it's like every month, I'm going to give you 50 bucks on the you know 15th, right? And fine. If, you, if that's the point in life where you are, where you seriously need some um, consistent support financially, like we can talk about that. But um, I, it would, it's like, it's hard to imagine doing that for like everybody in your family. So like, and it, honestly, it's not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So I think people just have to start opening the dialogue about what exactly do you do with your money? Because if you say no to somebody, they're like, Oh, like that's messed up. You're not even going to help me. Like fine. And then there's sort of this resentment and this frustration. But when it's up, it's coming from a place of understanding of like, Oh, I know why she couldn't give me this money because she just put, you know, an investment here and she just did this and just did that. Like it's more of a dialogue, a back and forth rather than a one directional, like, no, sorry. You know, and, um, and so I try to take that approach with my family, with my friends, but 100% I agree with the comment that you said about your friend about feeling like you have this guilt because you want to just like take everyone's hand and bring them with you. You know what I mean? You want everybody to have the salary you have. You want everybody to have the success that you have professionally and personally and every other sort of aspect of your life. But that's just not realistic. You know, people have to do that for themselves. People have to want and have the, the, the passion for success the way that you have it. And they have to say, I'm going to refuse to accept you know, the, the status quo or the way that it's been for me anymore. And I'm going to put things in place to make sure that I change my life, but you can't change people's lives for them. They have to step into want the change and they have to do it themselves. So that's why for me, I feel like if I sit down and show my, my little brother, my budget, I think he will then say, Oh, like maybe I should be doing something like that. Can you help me put a budget together for myself? And then I'll be like, sure, of course we'll sit down and do it. And now you're helping him do it for himself rather than, you know, just giving him the money every month and, and kind of just, and helping him get by but you're not really helping him put change in place it sounds more like it's it's created a community right because there there has been times that she's had to say no and and i think because she has given so much i think people got used to it and yes. it's been harmful to her because then you know there's this built resentment that she's just being used now you right. know so she's had to learn um to say no to people yeah. but it, but the way you, the way you did it, and you know, she had to say no to people and be okay with that. You know, yep. the way you did it is that you sat down with them and, and you know, it's not something that you have to do either, but I think it's, it sounds more to me like a community sense. Like, mm-hmm. hey, um, if, if we're a community and we're here to help one another, then I'm going to show you the bills that I have and the plans. And if we want to be a community and you understand that if I have to give you so much every month, that's taking away from what I'm doing. And if you're okay with that, if we're supposed to be a community, we're supposed to help one another. And it just gives a bigger understanding because then they see what you're doing and why you're in the position that you are. And then it helps them to understand, hey, maybe I should be doing the same thing. You know, and it's, exactly. I think we, we all have been in a position where we've asked for money, where we loan money. And, mm-hmm. you know, and to understand that, hey, when I ask this person, this may take away from them, um, instead of coming to people that are in good positions, say, you know, I don't want your money, but I really appreciate your lesson. Yeah, totally. I really appreciate your time, 
Like, I don't want your money. And I've talked to my daughter about this, how Oprah said she, you know, people constantly came to her. And I just thought, why wouldn't you ask her to like five minutes of her time to like show you, give you ideas. Yeah. To teach you like, no, I don't want your money. Like I just want to your brain. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Break five minutes of what can I do to start helping myself? Yeah. But I think it, I think that's a different, you have to, you have to be in a certain place to think that way. Like when I was younger, I was always asking for money. Like I'd be like, Papi, I need this much money to do this. Or I wasn't necessarily thinking like, let me go and find someone who can show me or teach me the skills that I need to be able to do this on my own. I was just, I wasn't necessarily thinking that way. So I think at a certain point, people develop that mindset or something happens in your life that kind of puts you in that place to think that way. and then you start to want to develop yourself and grow your skills and your knowledge. But yeah. if you're not at that place yet, matu- like maturity wise, like then you're just going to be trying to sustain yourself. So like, just give me enough money to cover what I need. And then you're constantly just needing, needing money rather than thinking about how to grow your skills and knowledge. So it, it definitely depends on where you are in life to think that way. Yeah, no. And, then, and that's how we get in debt. Cause you know, it's not about mm-hmm. asking family. It's like, okay, well, let me get a loan here or a credit here right. or something. Um, but yeah, you're right. I definitely, um, for me, I mean, I've been on my own for a long time, ever since I was a teenager. So I've had to learn how to take care of myself. Um, mm-hmm. So my mentality was very different. But the part about, you know, having someone like Oprah or a mentor and asking them for their time, that definitely didn't come um, just out of nowhere. It is because I was listening to podcasts and business people, right? you know, hearing you their see? advice. Yeah. And hearing their you're growing your knowledge, you were growing your, your skill set, right? Yeah. So you're like, yeah. And so when I tell these things to my daughter, she's definitely way better at managing her money and she's in college and she knows to put money away in savings. And, you know, I didn't know how to do any of that. I was living right. like, oh my God, day to day, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, for her, it's not like that. She future goals. She breaks them down. She knows where her money's coming from. You know, she does a little more side hustles. Like she's living pretty much, you know, like a grown ass woman. <laughs> and that's good because, but the thing is also she had it modeled. Like when, when she had those conversations with you, where you told her about it, that's her, her getting the mentorship that you got from Oprah and from people that online, like you never had an actual physical woman sit down or person sit down with you to right. show you, but you found it through the internet. Like I did as well. Right. A lot of times we didn't have those people physically in our lives. Luckily for your daughter, she did. She had you right there telling her like, listen, these are the mistakes I make. You don't want to do that. You need to figure out a better way. Mm-hmm. And then she heard that and took it in and implemented it. Like, so that's the thing is like for a lot of uh, women in our position that sort of grew up with without necessarily having that physical person to be our mentor, our coach, or support, we end up having to find it ourselves another way. Or unfortunately, sometimes we don't ever really find that person. So we end up just living a life of like decisions that came from us trying to figure it out on our own and never really having somebody to bounce ideas off of or to learn from. Right. And trying to get around that. I mean, my, my biggest thing was always books. When I was little, when I discovered books, it was like a whole new world opened up. I mean, I get to go into other people's lives. I, I get to pretend I'm a ballerina in Russia. You know, I, I get to pretend that, you know, I'm a mom who had cancer. I get to pretend that I'm a detective, you know, and I get to do all these things because I'm reading all these books. 
Yeah. You know, and I got to experience what they were feeling and I, and I got to grow with them as they learned. And, and so to me, it was like that knowledge of experiencing not only, you know, different lives, but also different countries, different cultures just opened me up to a whole. So yeah, I, I lived in an area where it's predominantly Mexican and, you know, we're low income and I'm not seeing the things that I want to see because I don't have the means, but when I go to these books, I get to read about these people and I get to experience what they're experience because, you know, the writing is so vivid and they're so vulnerable, right. they're so open. And because of that, because we're so linked to a feeling, I can feel them when they're, yep. I can feel when they have doubt. And it's just through experience and that. So there's, for me, I've, you know, when I've gone and talked at group homes or different places, I always tell them, you know, there's no excuse because if I had books, you got, you have now the internet, <laughs> you know, you have it's people so true. that are so open to recording their lives who are millionaires, billionaires, or, or living their dreams or whatever it is that you're looking for right at your yep. So there's really no yep. excuse as to why, except just yeah. helping you, you know? It's true. It's true. I mean, if you have some sort of mental block or emotional block that's not allowing you to just get to the computer and start searching, then I get it. Like there's something that is hindering you and you need to work through that. But once you work through that, there is, you're right. There's nothing beyond that that could potentially hold you back because every piece of information that you want to know or that you might be interested in or curious about exists on the internet. Like that's an amazing thing. Mm -hmm. And I think, yeah, young people for sure need to balance the way they use the internet and use it not just for like social media, not just for like popularity, not just for selfies, but really use it for as, as an opportunity for learning because a lot of the mentorship that I got, a lot of the advice, a lot of the tips, a lot of the motivation, inspiration that I got was from women that I saw online and from mm -hmm. stories, TED Talks, Google Talks, you know, YouTube videos, tutorials, like podcasts and um, audiobooks, you know, all of this stuff that I just ingested from the internet because I, uh, I was one of those people, like you said, that just didn't necessarily have it around me in my community immediately accessible to me. Um, so yeah, that's, that's definitely a huge thing that I use a lot. Like I'm constantly on the internet. I'm constantly listening to podcasts. I'm constantly, I'm like, okay, what can I learn from this person? What can I learn from that person? Right. Uh, you know, especially if they're older and have more experience, they've had, they've been here longer than you. So I'm sure a lot of the things that I am struggling with right now, they've lived through already. Let me hear what they have to say about it. Like, why would I, you know, try to figure it out on my own when so many other people have had this happen to them before me? Yeah. Um, I'm not like alone, you know? Right. Yeah. What do you feel that you've lost and what have you gained with all this experience? I've definitely lost a lot of people. I'm not going to pretend everything has been good and gravy through my, through my transition. Like when I started to really think about the kind of person I want to be, I want to be more healthy. That means I need to, you know, live a certain life where I'm eating certain foods and not eating certain types of foods that sometimes rubs people the wrong way. You know, if you go out and you're going to a restaurant, like people are like, Oh God, you don't eat anything. You don't eat meat. You don't eat dairy. You don't eat eggs. You don't eat this. You don't eat that. It's like, it's hard to be social and be out and about eating and stuff with people when you know, you, you've selected a small, uh, you know, selection of the foods that you're going to eat or, and that's one of the things like I, t I became vegan a year ago. And I think a lot of people in my life that have accepted it and totally get it. Like they are the ones that are still here. My family, they get it. They've just adjusted to it. Like, Oh, okay. She's, ella no come carne. Like, she's vegan. She's this is how she is now. But like a lot of people that struggle with some of the changes that I made in my life. Um, and I, unfortunately, like that's just one small example, but like, unfortunately in other ways, I also had to just say, 
you know what, this person is not really serving me anymore. You know, these people, what exactly do they do that adds value to my life? You know, if anything, I'm the one that's constantly trying to push them to be better and they don't necessarily return that, reciprocate that to me. So I have to actually be real with myself and say, maybe it's about time. Maybe this course has run its, you know, this has run its course. It's time for me to say goodbye. And so I think back to like, even just five years ago, who were the friends that I had? Who was like my top five on my cell phone? Like who were the people that I was texting and calling and talking to every day and those people just unfortunately are not necessarily in my life anymore um some of them are like maybe one or two of them are but a lot of the people that I was spending most of my time with are no longer in my life and that was very hard for me to like swallow at first especially for the ones of those people that I grew up with from my neighborhood and from school and everything but um I mean at this point I've actually seen it as like it has its pros and its cons like of course the con is like i really do miss those people like i really do miss just hanging out and like just going to the bodega and buying a bunch of candy and sitting down at home eating all the candy and just talking and sharing stories and reminiscing and it's like that's beautiful right and that helps us sometimes but it, 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 at one point in my life i'm like okay I don't want to be constantly talking about the past. Like the past is over. Like I want to be thinking about the future and what it could bring for me. And they're not, you know, these people aren't necessarily thinking ahead like that. They're always focusing on the past and they're always focusing on the present. And I want to think about the future. So I need to start looking for people around me who also think about the future like I do. So that also allowed me to bring in new friends into my life that pushed me to think about possibilities. Like, girl, what could your life be like in a year if you were to post to your YouTube every single week or post two or three videos a week? Like, what would your life be like in two years if you started to do consultations? If you, st- if you got your license as a certified financial planner, like, what could you, and I'm just like, wow, that's so true. Like, imagining all the things I could accomplish if I put certain things in place, whereas my older friends that I had before were not making me think like that. They were not really helping me to think like that. So I think one of the big things I did lose along the way was a lot of people, um, a lot of friends. And, um, and then something that I really gained, I think is just is an insight into the possibilities. Like I never really was the kind of person, like I always thought about hope. Like I always had hope, like I could you know, live a better life. I can go to a good college. I can do this. If I work hard, I can do these things, but I didn't necessarily have as big of a vision. Like I didn't necessarily have a really clear, big picture of, what like all the ways my life could look and right now i'm like oh my god my life could look a bajillion different ways like there's no limit to how many ways that could i could live and that is new for me because it it makes me feel like i can really do anything i can really take my life in any direction it's just a matter of figuring out what direction do i want and how do i make it happen for myself um and i don't think i ever thought like that before like it just was not part of my mentality to think like that how can we help you? Um, I think, honestly, helping me help other people. I just want to help people. And I think that means if that means spreading the word about my channel, if that means sharing people to my Facebook, telling people what I'm doing, um, sending my videos to college students. Because for me, when I was in college, I wish I, was, I knew more about student credit cards and the interest rates and like how much my debt was growing. I didn't know anything about this stuff. And um, and I didn't even realize that I needed to know it. You know, I was just like, oh, whatever, I'll, I'll pay it back when I get a job, when I get money. And I think what I'm trying to do now is get people to start learning about this stuff 
earlier. Like I didn't learn about it until I was in my mid twenties. What if I had learned about it when I was 18? What if I had learned about it when I was 17 or when I was 20, you know, it would have saved me all those years of making terrible decisions and making bad mistakes. Um, so yeah, just sharing, sharing the work that I'm doing and other, and also connecting me with other people that are doing amazing work, other women that are trying to do this work, inspiring other young ladies and talking about specifically my passion is in personal finance, but it can be about anything. I really just love to see women working hard and trying to give back and not just, you know, advance their own agenda and advance their own career and become, you know, this very successful such and such person. It's like, but what, how are we going to turn around and look back and also help other people get here too? We can't just make it out the hood, go and be successful and never look back. Like, I just don't, I don't have a, a, a desire to be like to live like that i want to make sure i'm always looking back over my shoulder and saying what am i doing for the people coming behind me so um yeah that it can be as simple as that where can we find you so my youtube channel is miss be helpful so you can go to www.youtube.com slash c slash miss be helpful um also my facebook is miss be helpful um my instagram is also miss be helpful and all of this is m-i-s-s-b-e H-E-L-P-F-U-L. So Miss Be Helpful. And I post on YouTube. I post on Facebook, Instagram. I'm constantly trying to share as much as I'm learning with people. And I also just recently published a website. So that is MissBeHelpful.com. Um, and you can go ahead to the website and put your email address and then stay connected with me. I don't necessarily send like a monthly or weekly newsletter, but every time some new project is coming up or comes my way, I might send just like a one-off email to anybody on my um, email list. So yeah, if you want to be connected in that way, definitely just enter your email to the website. Um, and those are, you know, that all those ways and more to connect with me online.